Hello, and welcome to Talk Social to Me. I'm your host, Mackenzie, and today Ben and I are joined by a very special guest, this Sarah from Social and Stuff. And today she's here to talk to us all about content pillars, how to get started in social media, how to find new social media clients, how to price yourself. Just if you're a freelance social media manager or a social media agency, this is the episode for you. And I really hope you enjoy it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Sarah. If you want to kind of talk about social and stuff and how you kind of got started and all that other fun things. Yeah, so my name's Sarah Huguet. Most people don't know how to pronounce my last name. It's like half French, <laughs> half whatever. I am a social media manager from Vancouver, Canada. And I got started in all of this because I actually had an online jewelry store. It was called Earrings and Stuff. So that was like my first venture into like the online space. So I ran that for a few years and then realized that I just love Instagram so much. I mean, this was a time when you could just like plan stuff out and there was like not even like, you know, there were stories on the scene. So when I was on maternity leave, I kind of transitioned into managing people's accounts. It all happened pretty organically, but that was about four years ago and I haven't really looked back. I love that you always put the end stuff. <laughs> yep. <laughs> jewelry and stuff social and stuff yeah, well it was like when I was looking for my domain name everything was taken and I'm like oh my god this is bs and then I'm like earrings and stuff is available and my husband's like I don't know I'm like yeah but it leaves a door open for like a lot and then it just kind of stuck and he's like you know what that was like such a good choice so then obviously when I started my social media business I was like eh, I'm just gonna roll with it social stuff I love it I think it's so brandable too and that's such a like a, a smart little hack that you can get d- domain names whenever you want, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, it's available. Sweet social stuff's available. Done. <laughs> Good to go. So are you strictly basically just on Instagram or are you on other like social media platforms? I know that you got started with Instagram. Yeah, I'm on Instagram, TikTok, just starting to venture into LinkedIn. Oh. I post on Pinterest a bit, YouTube shorts, kind of dabbling. People seem pretty intense over there. I've noticed the comment section. But that's like super new. But I would say mainly it's mainly been Instagram. But within the last like eight months, I'm really trying to work on like that omnipresent strategy and just like repurposing all my content that I've already created. It's like might as well post it to all the platforms that have like similar content formats. It seems silly not to. So that's kind of what I've been working on for the last year, I would say. That's amazing. And is there one particular platform that's really sticking out to you right now outside of Instagram? Uh, yeah, I would. I mean, I always pretty much have fun on TikTok. That's just like, I don't know, I joined it like at the end of 2019. So I feel like it's been I've been there for a little bit. And then obviously, during the pandemic, it just like, everyone came on the platform. We <laughs> like gone through like a lot of changes and stuff. But I would say TikTok's probably like, the top of what I try to create for now and then like filter it down. So with you posting across both TikTok and Instagram, do you notice any sort of major differences in terms of what works on one platform versus the other? Yeah, I would say, I don't know. Cause like obviously certain things on TikTok just like don't work on Instagram. Like people are just like, okay, what is this? Like, <laughs> well, obviously the corn trend made it over there, but I mean, that would have been like a classic <laughs> example of something that just like wouldn't have landed on Instagram. So I would just say, yeah, like certain trends and stuff like that. And then now on TikTok, I find that like, you know, the talking longer cut long form videos are doing well. Whereas I find on Instagram, I push people to do them, but they don't necessarily perform as well. But I know I'm hoping that that's the direction that Instagram's going to go because we're just kind of sick of like the same 
Yeah. Audio, 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 audio. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've noticed the same thing where on TikTok, I feel like people are a lot more receptive to listening to the stories that you have to share. Whereas Instagram, people love a story, but they want it packaged in a very short format. And so I think you're, I think you're right. I think there will be a shift towards more of that being acceptable on Instagram. But I, I think you're dead on with like the current state of things. Yeah. And then I find people aren't necessarily like motivated to want to create that type of content <laughs> on Instagram because they don't get like like the vanity metrics of things. The engagement, yeah. So yeah, like the engagement. So they're just like, that didn't work. Like they try it once and then they're back to just like doing lip sync voice dubs, which like I think that there's a place <laughs> for those as well. They're fun. They're good for visibility, but I don't think that they can be your strategy. You got to add some more in there. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the biggest things is like, a lot of people think that they have to jump on the like every single trend that is out there. And I have told clients in the past, I was like, please don't do this unless it actually fits into your entire brand. Because if you're just throwing stuff just to throw it out there, you're getting followers in that aren't actually going to engage with your content because you have a complete shift in your content after that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you get like followers that don't align like with your goals. And then also it's hard to stand out because you're just like, people don't even like listen or care to what the text on the screen says. Cause they're like, I've already heard this. Like I've just heard this like five times in a row. So it's like, it's not really a way to kind of like stand out and like share your like unique perspective is what I always try to push people to do. Exactly. It's like that Negroni Spagliato Prosecco yeah. thing that's going around. Like I am so sick of hearing this exact audio 40 times in a row. I feel like I like wasn't online for a few days and then all of a sudden I came back. I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> it's just so. everywhere. So a lot of people though, they, they hear and they see trends and trends will blow up. So they feel like they, that should be the core focus of their strategy. And you're saying that you almost, you need to have some authenticity, something that's different to really differentiate yourself. Like how can someone go about actually working that into their strategy? Cause it can be kind of scary to put yourself out there and try original content. Yeah, no, totally. And I get that. Cause sometimes it's like, I have to take a step back. I'm like, okay, some people can't just like be face to camera, like so comfortable <laughs> for us. So I always tell people a great baby step is to do like a voiceover to like your own original clips that you've kind of pieced together. Maybe you have a time-lapse video of you doing something. <clears throat> so a good baby step would be to kind of like do a voiceover. So that's always my tip for people that are a little bit nervous for face to camera. Another tip I like to give people is to just practice and record with no intention of posting. Just be like, okay, for two weeks, I'm just going to like pretend as though I'm creating content, but I'm actually not going to post any of this because it does take a little bit of time to realize where you should stand, if you should move your hands, if you, like where you want your camera to be. Like it takes time to like work all that out. So those would be kind of like my main tips. And then to get ideas, I love to tell people to kind of go into your insights, look at your top performing posts and see what posts you can like talk out loud. So like if a carousel did really well, just like talk those pages out well, instead of like trying to rethink of like a brand new idea. So I would say those are kind of my, my tips for getting started. That's so good. Yeah, I think a lot of people, they see people like yourself just talking on the camera. They're like, I could never do that. But it takes a little baby steps to, to get there. And then quickly you feel pretty comfortable and it's, it's not as scary as you thought it would be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I and I mean, TikTok again, is like the easiest, well, not the easiest, but it's like, it's just so cash over there that yes. I really try to encourage people, just pick up your phone, start talking, see what happens. Obviously you might get some weird stuff going on in the comments. That's going to happen everywhere, but you just got to start because it's better than like, 
six months from now being like, oh, crap, I wish I would have like started six months ago. 100%. That's like me every single time there's a trend going around. I'm like, oh, I could do that. And then five months later, I'm like, oh, I should have done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Or like for me, because I'm on TikTok so much, and then I'll come over to Instagram and someone's like, oh, try this. It's doing so well. And then their videos just like blowing up. I'm like, oh my God, I totally could have done that. I did that video like two weeks ago. But I'm also like, I don't want my content to only be like, do this, do this trend. This is blowing up because I'm really just trying to push people to like use their voice. Yeah. Do you find that content interesting or do you kind of are over that where people are going like, try this reels audio. Here's how to do this different types of reels or use this audio for this type of reel. I feel like that's becoming more and more of a focus for a lot of content creators, which I find really interesting. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people are kind of almost like stuck doing it because they're just like addicted to the vanity metrics of it doing good. And I've totally fallen into that hole as well. Like I've definitely made one of those videos being like, oh, this week <laughs> I could do one of those. Like try this easy audio. But yeah, I feel like it's like they're just kind of stuck in that cycle. Yeah, yes, yeah, cycle. <laughs> in that cycle of like sharing trends because they're just getting so much action on their posts. But it's getting pretty annoying. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good word for it. Where it's, there's not a lot of substance, and I think, especially with now, as it gets more and more saturated on TikTok or any of these platforms, you need to be able to stand out. And I think a great way to do that is to be diverse and, and share your own voice. And a really powerful tool to do that is by establishing content pillars, which I know is a huge part of what you preach. So, how can someone, first of all, I guess, what is content pillars for someone who may be totally new to this, and then how can they go about establishing them, and why do they want to? Yeah. So content pillars are basically kind of like different content topics that will like make up your brand that align with what your goals are. So like everyone's will be a little bit different. I think a lot of people sometimes think like, oh, my content pillar is like inspirational, but it's like, that's not the case because, well, there's lots of information out there. People can interpret it how they want, but the way that I see it is content pillars are kind of like the topics that make up your brand that align to your goals. Like I just said. And then from there, once you figure those out, you can kind of create micro topics off of that and create an inspirational post an educational post figuring them out would be what do you want to be known for what's your goal with your social media content what can you talk about for hours that makes sense for your brand or business that's how i kind of dive into those and i also think they're super important because they allow you to kind of keep the wheel going once you kind of establish what your pillars are you can really kind of dive into like micro pillars brain dump ideas and you kind of always have something to like riff off of or create content on. So for somebody who's just getting started with like creating their entire branding page and like their social media, and they're just trying to figure out how to even get started with their content pillars, what is like one of the first steps that you tell them to do like when you're working with them? Yeah, I guess because I do management, a lot of times I just kind of dive into their brand themselves. <laughs> Like dive into the blog <laughs> itself and just figure it out. So for example, like I have a mortgage broker client. So we will like one of our pillars is like tips and, you know, FAQs. What are your FAQs that you kind of get? Another one is neighborhoods because it's super location, like hyper-focused. So we post a lot about what's happening in the neighborhood. Were you at the, you know, the pumpkin patch this weekend? Take some footage. <laughs> Let's chat about it. Are you going for a neighborhood walk? Let's film some video clips and talk about it. And then I always like to add in like a personal one as well, because I think that that's kind of what helps us connect with our audience. So it's kind of like finding the balance of all of them that you want to post about. But I would say to someone just getting started, don't like super overthink it. They can change. Don't think you need to pick like eight different ones. Like try to stick with like three to four 
and then work on that. And then after a few months, kind of reassess, see what's getting the most conversation, see what you like creating and talking about and kind of go from there. Do you think it's okay for some people to kind of switch their content pillars if they're realizing like, oh, maybe my business has changed just a little bit and then kind of switch their strategy like in the middle of doing all their social media posts? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like your business. So you can kind of do what you want, but you want to be conscious to not continually flip the script where your audience is going to be like, what? Like you got to like at least give stuff a little bit of time. You can't just like change it every week. But again, at the end of the day, it's your business. So if you're not vibing with it, you got to switch it up. Cut it out. 100%. I think a lot of people don't pick content pillars because they feel like it's putting themselves into a box. When I actually would argue it's the complete opposite. Like with structure, you have more freedom because you don't have to think as much. You can just create. So mm-hmm. for people who come to you saying like, oh, well, I don't want to put myself into a box. Like, what would you, your response be to that? Yeah, I would say probably something pretty similar. I used to be like a huge content planner. Like I was just like all about that for like ever. Now I kind of do a combo. But I think that figuring out your content pillars and just like brain dumping your ideas allow you to be an intuitive creator. Because I know a lot of people are like, I don't want to plan my content. I create it, then I don't feel like posting it, blah, blah, blah. And it's like doing that content pillar brain dump ideas will then allow you to be a little bit more not in the box, I feel. So when it comes to just like general businesses that you're working with, I don't know how many clients you actually have right now, but like what's the one area you tell businesses to stick to when it comes to social media? Like platform ones? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most people are pretty comfy on Instagram. That's kind of like their main one. So typically Instagram, Facebook, they still kind of want to post on Facebook. Although I do feel like Facebook, I don't know. I'm like, I haven't really posted on there in like five years. And then I just started working with the business coach. I'm like, oh, there is actually a lot of my ideal client (laughs) still on Facebook. Maybe I need to revisit it over there. But yeah, Instagram, Facebook, I'm always trying to push people to be on TikTok. So that's always my push. Uh, LinkedIn, I think is also super powerful depending on your industry. So I would say it kind of starts at Instagram because that seems to be what everyone's the most comfy with at this time. But yeah, of course. I'm always trying to push them to head over to TikTok. And then they're like, oh, I didn't realize how much fun it was over there. I was like, <laughs> Do you think that it's still possible to grow on all these platforms? That's like one of the biggest questions that we always have with from listeners is like, is it still possible to grow on TikTok? Because it feels like it's been really stagnant. Is it still possible to grow on Instagram again? Because it feels very stagnant. Yeah, I think like all of the above is possible if you just create, you know, content that's shareable, savable, you're connecting with your audience, spending the time, you know what I mean? Because a lot of people think you can just post and go. So it's like connecting with your community, like spending 10 minutes a day, like watching people's stories that are following you doing all those little things. I think you don't need to spend like an hour a day engaging those days are kind of like, don't waste your time. Let's create content to post elsewhere. But I do think that spending 10 to 15 minutes a day on top of your posting, kind of engaging and connecting with your community is like a powerful step a lot of people don't really want to do anymore. Yeah, I think community is so important. That's like something that me and Ben preach all the time. It's just like you have to actively engage with the people that are like your followers or just going onto other people's accounts and being like, hi, I really liked your content, like follow me or just like commenting in general and making it very organic. Yeah, exactly. Because I think a lot of people now it's like they're just over it. But it's like, well, you can't just like post and think that like you're going to grow this magical community. 
Yeah. You got to be a human and actually interact with people. And I think also a lot of times like people, they discredit how like the fact that the person on the other side of the screen is a human being, like just like you or me. So the, the, the opportunity for connection is, is so there. And if you make it authentic, it, it, it is authentic connection. And that has huge impacts for the fault you're following, your business, everything. So it's well worth the time. Yeah, I agree. So what is one of your favorite things to do when you first work with clients? Like how, when you first bring a client in, how do you kind of approach their social media strategy? I actually like love the onboarding process the most. <laughs> when it comes to managing <laughs> clients. I love like diving into their brand, seeing what's been working, what's not been working, how they kind of been doing things, who they've been chatting to. I also really love like designing and like branding stuff. I'm not like a brand strategist or anything, but I love diving into like bright colors and fonts and kind of figuring out what the vibe's going to be of their page. I love to figure out the content pillars and the micro pillars. And I love like the organization of it all and like diving into everything. So that's my favorite. My ears perked up right when you said that, because that's usually people's biggest thing they hate. So how did you turn that into something that is such a positive experience? I don't know. I think I just love organization. I like figuring out content topics for people because I feel like it's such like a bone of contention, if that's the correct thing for yeah. people. Like we're always just like, oh, I don't know what to talk about. And then I'm just like, oh, here you go. Here's 50 ideas I found for you. So I don't know. I just realized that I just like love that. I love the onboarding process, which I know, yeah, a lot of people just like hate that part. I set everyone up in Airtable. That's kind of where I have my client like hub for everything. And how did you build that? And why did you pick Airtable? I actually joined like a social media manager's membership and that's kind of what she trained on. And so I just kind of dove into that. I've definitely built stuff out in Asana before. I know a lot of people really like Notion as well. So, yeah. and then I just kind of switched over to Airtable because I kind of took someone's course and I was like, oh, okay. I really like how organized and this is, but what about you guys? What do you use? I use Airtable. I love the color coordination of it all. <laughs> And like yeah. the fact that you can like tag people, obviously you can tag people in Notion, but I find Notion is really good for developers, like developer brains. Mm -hmm. Whereas I'm like more like into list and like to have like yeah. things structured out. Yeah. I love Notion for like note taking and organizing thoughts, but I think that Airtable definitely has a strong use case for getting stuff done. I think you can build similar things in Notion, but I feel like they're less intuitive. So I think they're very complementary. So I use both as well. Yeah, I think I just like for Airtable that like, because how I have it all set up for my clients is I can just put absolutely everything in there and then be like, can you approve this? If you're filming a video for me, you can then upload it there. It's not like, oh, put that in Google Drive and then do this. And like, it's just like a one-stop organization content hub, basically. So that's why I yeah. love it the most. Well, that was one of the biggest things for me when I was working like as with freelance clients is trying to get their approval on things, but even just like uploading content, I'm like, can you please like send me the link to this content? I know you finished it. Can you just please send me the link? And it's like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. So having it all organized in one space. But let's talk about approval really quickly because I know that's a huge thing that people are like, how do I get approval? It's taking six weeks just to get somebody just to look at this. Yeah, I mean, I have a couple clients that like literally just check in with me every couple months. <laughs> They're just like, oh, whatever, Sarah's just doing her thing. Because there's kind of like on like a base, like need the digital footprint happening, but like it's not like a huge gross situation. My other clients, I now kind of chat about it during the discovery call and during onboarding. I'm like, in order for me to do my job correctly, like you have to do this. So 
How I typically do it is by the 10th of the month, I start working on the content calendar for the next month. Yeah. And then by the 15th of the month, so like by November 15th, I don't know when you're posting this, but by November 15th, I should have December like 80% kind of done is how I do it. So I like I say 80% because it's obviously like I'm not going to plan absolutely everything because things change industries change and all that kind of stuff. So I like to just have like most of it done. And then I'm just kind of waiting for them to film certain things or like if a video idea comes up, then I can definitely message. Like I'm not so like tight on everything where I'm like, nope, sorry, it's done. Like you have to have some <laughs> flexibility, but that's usually what I strive towards. And yeah, so then I just message and say, okay, everything's ready for you to go in for approval. And then I kind of work away from there. So when you aren't getting that like immediate approval, because I have done this before as well, where it's just like, they're not responding to the email. Is there a, like a point where you're like, okay, well, it's just going to be posted because like, I'm going to give you until this date. If I don't hear from you from this date, then I'm posting it anyway. Like, how do you work with that? Yeah, I feel like I haven't really had that too much. I usually, yeah, just roll with the post it, like I'll just post it. Yeah. Or if it's not completely done, then unfortunately, we're just not going to be able to post. And that's yeah. on them for not approving it. So it depends on where the post or the piece of content is at, I would say. And then one of the other biggest questions that we get from social media managers is, how do you get clients? That is like always a big thing where they're just like, I am just starting freelancing or I'm just starting out as like a social media manager and I don't know how to even get started. Yeah, I know. And it's funny because I actually just started working with a business coach because I'm just like, okay, my business is here. I want to take it there. I need to start working with someone. And she was asking me the same thing, like, oh, where'd you get clients? I'm like, I was just like so lucky because it's like, oh, Sarah, you're going to be social media management. A restaurant manager or restaurant owner was just saying they want someone to take over. Oh, perfect. I served for like 20 <laughs> years. That worked. So I was just super lucky. But I would say trying to tap into your own network. I know you might not have posted on Facebook or something in a while, but you probably have a lot of friends on there. So even just putting a simple message, hey, I'm just starting out, I'm doing this. If you know anyone that might need help with social media management, tell them to message me. So I would say trying to tap into your own network. Facebook, again, groups are pretty powerful. So trying to find groups where your niche is hanging out. And then if people are asking questions related to social media, you can answer them and kind of you know, share your expertise there. And then staying on top of posting your own content as well and letting people know that you're accepting clients because I've been so guilty of this before too. Like we have to do those posts that say, how can you work with me? <laughs> this is how <laughs> my prices start at, like you just got like you can see so much content all the time. And so I would say like at least once a week sharing story slides of how people can work with you and just reminding them of what you actually do. Yeah, I agree. That's super important. I have done in the past when I was working with clients, it's just I never did that step where I was never really focusing on my own social media. And then things would happen and my friends would be like, are you still doing social media for people? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, are you still accepting clients? And I was like, I, I think so. Am I not? So yes, I definitely agree. I think it's so important to be like, always on top of your own social media as well, just to get people in the door and seeing what you can do. I also think it's huge to get testimonials when people are happy that you, like for, when you have clients and you've gotten them in to, to take advantage of that if they're willing and able and then also to share clients wins if you have their permission because i think sometimes people who need your help they can't picture how you could exactly help them but if they see someone who's in a similar situation and the transformation you brought them then that might be the green 
light for them to actually contact you and become a client as well. Yeah, exactly. Like taking screenshots like all the time when people message mm-hmm. you back. Exactly. And then just keeping them in a folder in your phone and just having them on hand at all times. And yeah, I think that like storytelling is such a big one because we know that storytelling content does super well. So yeah, just creating those type of posts that say, oh, when this person started working with me, they were here, we did this, now they're here. Like those those pieces mm-hmm. of content are super important. So we have, you kind of mentioned pricing a little bit. So I think one of the biggest things is people just undersell themselves all across the board in every single industry. So when it comes to pricing, how do you kind of recommend somebody approach pricing with a client? Yeah, I mean, I'm still kind of working on this myself. <laughs> like, to be honest, like it's hard yeah. to figure it out because this person charges this, this person charges this. You go on some people's websites, they don't even have their pricing listed at all. So I would say start with something that you're comfortable with and then working it out from there. I know that that's probably not the best answer at all. But yeah, you don't (laughs) want to undercut yourself. I mean, in some of these social media manager groups, when people like, oh, I'm doing this, this and this for like $300. I'm like, okay, you cannot do anything that's just this for $300. So I would say the base rate starts at at least like a thousand a month these days for someone that's new. And then yeah, I mean, there's price point, you'll find clients at every price point, you just got to find out where they're hanging out, right? 100%. Exactly. Yeah, when I first started my agency, I just set a number, I think it was $1,000. And then every time I got a new client, I would raise it slightly and see how they responded (laughs) to see where, uh, where things sat. And if people don't give you much pushback, then you're probably charging less than you could. And that's definitely not a science, (laughs) but it's what I did. And it seemed to have worked. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of what I did too. And it's also tricky with pricing as well, because if you price yourself too low, you're going to drive some people in a way that are like, okay, well, why is that so cheap? Like it shouldn't it's be true that too. They're like, yeah, I'm not even going to talk to that person. So that's like a big thing. Ben and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago where I was always like, you should start just like start casually working with somebody or just like explain why you'd be so good at working with them. And Ben's always like the opposite of me. He's like, no, if they don't want to work with you, you're not working with them. Well, I think <laughs> once you have some proof of concept and you you know what you can do, it's very important to find clients that value that. And then they are out there. I think until you find a perfect client, you think they don't exist. And then you find one, you're like, wow, this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah. And then, you, and then you get hooked on that and you want only clients like that and your life becomes so much easier and you make a lot more money with way less headache. Yeah, because there's nothing worse than just like having that weight on your shoulders, working with someone, you're messaging them, they're not messaging your bag, and it's just like a whole thing. And you're like, okay, how is it taking me all day to like accomplish one thing? Yes. Like, I'm done with this. Yeah, I think it's too many people that get into this space that are brand new, they don't think about the the mental bandwidth beyond just the physical time that they put in because if someone's stressing you out all the time like that's worth a lot because that carries into your life and the other clients you deal with so i had to learn to fire clients and i think that's something that seems foreign if you're just starting your business but you, you quickly get to a place where you you want to fire clients because <laughs> it just saves your, your your mental health yeah i would say another thing too while we're talking about finding clients is like tapping into your referral network yeah. so like when yes. you do find a dream client trying to set up some sort of like referral system or like letting them know like, Hey, I'm picking on any more clients. If you know of any, cause I just feel like referrals can really help build your business as well. Absolutely. I've done that so many times. <laughs> yeah. Well, nothing comes, nothing hits closer to home than someone who they trust giving you the seal of approval. So if you can work that in, that's a, a no brainer for sure. Yeah. So 
How do you recommend people do referrals? Like, do you have like a referral program with your own business? Yeah. So usually like 10% of the first month Mm -hmm. is kind of what I decided to rule with. (laughs) Again, figuring it out as I go. Yes, absolutely. All of us, I feel like are always like in the process because social media changes every single day. Yeah, legitimately hello. like we were yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking beforehand there's like a new social media thing coming out like just got announced today and it's just like every single day it's like always staying on top of it and just rolling with the changes and rolling with the punches and it's just it's a wild ride out here guys yeah and then sometimes you're just like why did I pick this career yeah at least twice a day yeah, <laughs> yeah. fairly often so I guess right now do you think TikTok's probably the number one platform that everybody should be on like the if they're going to only choose one platform it would have to be tiktok well i don't know it's hard because some people might not be comfortable posting content there so then if they're not showing up and not consistently posting over there then that won't really do them any good but i do think that i don't know a lot of people you know they might think like oh tiktok's just for whoever but it's like guaranteed everyone pretty much has the app downloaded on their phone like it's moved into mainstream now i feel like you just have a little bit more chance to get discovered over there but like i think instagram and tiktok like work together because i still think instagram's awesome for like building community and like getting in the dms with people whereas like TikTok DMs are a little bit less like intuitive. You know, you have to be following someone in order to chat and stuff like that. So yes, I would say, yeah, I guess I would say TikTok. So I feel like it like flexes people's creativity a little bit more. And I feel like you can then distribute the content elsewhere. For some reason, <laughs> when you post a TikTok on Reels, it seems fine. But if you post a Reel on TikTok, everyone's just like, oh, beat it with that font we don't want to see it i have noticed that like whenever i scroll through tiktok i'm like oh why is that instagram font on there no thank you yeah exactly <laughs> and if you're on instagram reels you don't even think twice about it no i don't no but that's so fascinating i just didn't even think about that no it, <laughs> it is just blew my mind that's funny ben do you have anything more that you'd like to ask yeah uh, so what would you say is the biggest misconception that people have when it comes to running their own social media business? Like there's a lot of, I'm sure there's a lot of people that listen to the show that really want to, but they still haven't. So like, what is the biggest misconception that you run into or that you had? Yeah. I think that, you know, you can just work two hours a day and then be done with it in the beginning. No. Yes. Perhaps you could set that lifestyle up for you. You maybe you get some people helping you out, like some contractors and stuff like that. But in the beginning, that's not the case. I know a lot of people do kind of glamorize like, oh, I started my social media management business and now I'm making like 15K a month. It's like, okay, well, yes, there's an exception to the rule for sure. But it does take hard work and organization, knowing what's going on, like paying attention to. So if you're kind of wanting like a laid back passive career choice, then I would say not social media management. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah, just a lot of people kind of glamorize it a little bit. That's great. And if you had to give one piece of advice to yourself a few years ago when you were just starting out, what would you say? I would say keep posting your own content because that is something that you can always fall back on when you need clients. You never know when people will leave. So like you were saying how you didn't post on yours at all. And then it's like, oh crap, I need clients. So they stay on top of posting your own content and like networking with people in your industry. I think a lot of people think like, oh, I can't 
talk to that person. They're also a social media manager, but it's like everyone has their own like unique flair. So continue networking with industry peers, because I think that you need to have that support system. Like I have, you know, a few IG besties that were just like in the DMs every day. What's <laughs> happening with this? Oh my God, I never believe what happened with this client. So I would just say, continue building like your network of people that you can like hash stuff out with. Yeah, I agree with that one. I know that there's people out there who you can connect with, like just on IG that you might not even know in real life. It's just somebody that you follow for a long time, like connect with them, but also people that are kind of scattered around social media. So like a graphic designer or a website developer who's working with clients and then they can be like, oh, well, this client also needs a social media person. So it's always keeping that network open. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just like being collaborative. Like I know me and my friend Prathy, we were just like collaborating on some IG posts because we're just like, we do kind of the same thing, but we're like, let's create like a collaboration series just because like, I I just think it's just being open to it all and continuing to network and connect with people. Yeah. There's always room for more social media managers. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like there's tons of businesses in the world. We can't do it all. Yeah. (laughs) That's so good. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. It was a great way to start the day. Perfect. And for anyone listening to this, where's the best place to contact you or follow you? What what are your socials? Uh, Social and stuff. I am social (laughs) and stuff across the board. TikTok, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube. (laughs) Easy to find. YouTube shorts. Yeah. YouTube shorts. (laughs) I'm just starting to dabble in it. I'm not sure if you guys are on YouTube at all, but Ben is a big time YouTuber. So oh, really? He knows all about it. Yeah, YouTube's my pre- was primary platform for sure. <laughs> so yeah, no, YouTube Shorts is great actually because YouTube's finally getting more sophisticated by integrating that with long form content too. So it's a great way to get, to break through in the long form space, which has been really really hard to do. So it's a big opportunity. Yeah, I know. I've been finding people are a little intense in the comments. So, <laughs> yeah, but that's that's YouTube really in general. YouTube is uh, people. I think this has been around for so long. People feel very comfortable saying whatever they want. So they, I got the comments that I've received over the years have been absolutely crazy. You, you very quickly go numb to them, but 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 you're right. It is pretty intense, and I think also why it's it's amplified is because YouTube does a good job of showing you your comments, which is almost a bad thing if you're creating content because you actually see uh, the, yeah, like the bad ones. Yeah. yeah. Whereas on TikTok, they get lost in a sea of things. Like I'm sure I've seen so much, I, I haven't seen so much hate that's been left on my stuff just because it hasn't been shown to me. <laughs> so yeah, it's it. that's part of the YouTube game for sure. But that, it's just part of the game. Well, good luck on the YouTube comments section. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Um, We hope that you really enjoyed it. And as ever, you can find us over on TikTok. We are at flick.social. You can find us on Instagram. We are at flick.social. Who would have thought? Ben, where can they find you on YouTube? So YouTube, you can just type in, if you type in flick hashtags, you're going to find our channel. It is our beautiful blue flick logo. So go ahead and subscribe to that channel. We bring weekly news over there as well as a ton of educational content to help you do things more efficiently and grow your following as well as your clients following faster. So you do not want to miss any of that gold we're dropping there. You don't. Um, All this information will be in our show notes. Also, please give us a five-star review because that's just nice. And you're a nice person because you're listening to this podcast and only nice people listen to this podcast. I've actually heard that. Yeah. 10 out of 10 experts agree that nice people (laughs) listen to this podcast. And so on that note, if you know another nice person that's also interested in social, be sure to share the show with them. Uh, You get extra nice points for doing that as well. It's true. And I give out all the nice points. 
So thanks again. And we will catch you next week. Bye. See ya.